The horses are at the gate. And they're off! Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. All right, thanks for joining us for another week's show on Winning Ponies. Uh, a lot of action across the pond this week. We'll get to that. All the action at Royal Ascot. Uh, you know, uh, they, there was uh, the uh, the royal family was in attendance. Johnny V getting his picture taken with Prince Andrew and his bride, and uh, but very exciting. You had to get up in the morning, but it was kind of nice sit there with your coffee and watch the uh, the races from Ascot. A lot of interesting things happened. Uh, sad to say, Frankie Dettori was not a part of it, and two of the horses he was scheduled to ride won major races. Um, we'll get to the details in a little bit, but it was an arm injury just prior to Royal Ascot. Okay, our guest today, well, I've got Keith Chamberlain, who is now, he may be the CEO for all I know, I'll check with him on his title there, at the National Thoroughbred Racing Association. Uh, I've known Keith for 20-some years. Uh, They just moved their offices to a beautiful place in downtown Lexington. And uh, uh, Keith's going to go over some of the things the NTRA has been doing over the past uh, few years, The, the program has had a lot of growth it's reached out into new areas that they were never involved in when they first started when it was really primarily uh, a marketing tool something to bring all the tracks together get everybody on the same page uh kind of use a uh you know a uh, message that would go across very consistent you may remember the go baby go uh marketing uh job that they did years ago i really liked it quite frankly but a lot of things have changed but they've certainly gotten into a lot of great legislative work uh that are going to in the long run help you the horse player uh trying to save you some money and give you a tax break at the end of the year and of course they're very involved in player tournaments and our our second guest is going to be a buddy of mine. I usually have mine about twice a year, but always just before the Ohio Derby. And that's Rich Ruda, who's been the handicapper for over a decade up at uh, Thistledown. Uh, now it's uh, Jack Thistledown. It is one of the uh, casino properties in the state of Ohio. And uh, so Rich is going to walk us through uh, the Ohio Derby that ended up drawing quite a few horses that ran last in the Kentucky Derby. And as you know, uh, the Kentucky Derby was full of uh, surprises, most of them not good for the horses in there. Uh, the horses I'm uh, alluding to are IRAP, uh, who was bumped at the start and had to go 3-4 wide. And then Untrapped, who uh, was uh, trapped uh, on the rail, had to swing seven wide and finally faded. And Gervin, uh, who was kind of highly touted uh, coming out of the Louisiana Derby and the Risen Star, the two graded stakes down at the fairgrounds uh, for, the, for the Derby, was in tight at the start and roughed up at the 5-16th. So all these horses coming into the Ohio Derby with excuses out of the Kentucky Derby. And then, of course, uh, Rich being on the uh, Buckeye State race scene, there's going to be uh, two stakes 
for uh, the Buckeye Breds. And we're going to take a look at those. He's seen all these horses run many, many times. Uh, there's several state champions uh, in there, uh, both uh, fields. Uh, that's the William Petro Memorial and the George Lewis Memorial. So we're going to have Rich Ruta and we're going to have Keith Chamberlain on. And uh, looking forward to that. They'll be our first and second guests. And hope you pull down our easy win forms at winningponies.com. It's easy. A lot of you got some free plays out of the many points that we gave away in our Belmont contest two weeks ago. Of course, we handicap from coast to coast. Uh, at Churchill, of course, big pool on Stephen Foster night, uh, $1 super, $3,923. And it, just today at, at Belmont Park, we had a $1 pick four that paid $2,751. And about a week before, a $1 pick five that paid $2,769. Uh, Belmont also... Uh, Ooh, about five days ago, we got a $2 pick six that paid $4,277. So a lot of good racing this week. You want to pull down your easy win forms. Uh, where do you want to go? Well, you want to go to Thistledown because we're going to have several stakes races there. Uh, also, at Laurel, there's a slew of stakes Uh most of them in about the $75,000 range. And uh, so you're going to be, caring, be comparing apples to apples because most of these horses have raced against each other. So those are always good days to pull down the easy win forms. And uh, as far as, uh, you know, graded stakes action, uh, the, at Santa Anita, grade three affirmed stakes, 100000 for three-year-olds. And at Churchill, it's the Chicago Handicap. Yes, coming down from the Windy City, the Chicago Handicap run at Churchill Downs, $100,000, three-year-olds and up. So uh, we're, we're giving you the tools for you to, uh, to score some uh, winners at those tracks. Well, uh, as we uh, move into the week, let's take a look then at some of those big races across the pond, as we like to say. And uh, over at Royal Ascot, one would be disappointed if... We didn't see Wesley Ward in the winner's circle. As you recall, years ago, he became the first American in hundreds of years uh, ever to win a race at Royal Ascot with an American-based horse. Well, uh, Lady Arulia, wow, she turned into something special. She overpowered males in the King's Stand. And don't forget, she's three-year-olds. So she was not only taking on older horses, but older males and do yourself a favor. Go back and uh, pull this one down. Uh, it, it's up on the tube, and it was just unbelievable. Uh, she pretty much was sent to the front by Johnny V. Again, this was one of the horses that was supposed to be ridden by Frankie DeTori. Uh, it's a great race. It's a five-furlong race, and after being kind of on the lead most of the way, not dominant, all of a sudden Johnny V asked for her to move and they just separated from 16 rivals and won by three links and if my eyes serve me well johnny v never drew the whip on her lady aurelia unbelievable the second straight year that she got a graded win at royal ascot now she's a kentucky bred by stone street uh bred by stone street and uh you know uh, again uh, johnny v 
was a blessing not to take anything away from Frankie because he's a good friend of mine. I feel really bad for him. But it was a great feeling when a horse is traveling so beautiful and responds right when you ask. You can't get better than that. She's definitely fast. So uh, uh, after that, uh, let's see, we had uh, after the King Stan Godolphin's Barney Roy scored his first group one win in the St. James Palace Stakes for three-year-olds at a mile. And Godolphin took the meet opening Queen Anne stakes with Ribchester. And then they'd go on to celebrate a third time on the card when Sound and Silence bested stablemate Roussel in the listed Windsor Castle stakes. I mean, so anyhow, it was an injured arm that uh, forced Frankie de Tory to miss uh, Royal As- Ascot. Um, his uh, statement uh, said that it, being the leading active rider at Royal Ascot with 56 winners, he's been trying to get fit to make it, but he had to accept the week of the race that it wasn't going to happen. He's got to have physio, get it properly looked at, so he won't be at Ascot, and he wasn't. But uh, the horses he was supposed to ride were, well, we in North America have gotten to see Highland Reel compete, and a patient Highland Reel proved too tough against top-class field. Now, this was Wednesday in the Group 1 Prince of Wales Stakes at Royal Ascot. And how about this? It gave Aiden O'Brien his 300th career Group 1 or Grade 1 in a race now he also trains some jump horses and they're included though because these are group one or grade ones what an amazing trainer aiden o'brien is talk about a horse whisper a uh, highland reel kind of used to set the paces in his races uh so he won the breeders cup turf at santa anita last november but uh, he was a stalker in the prince of wales the race is a mile and a quarter it's the richest race of the five-day Royal Ascot meeting. So uh, congratulations to all the connections of Highland Highland Real. Uh, well, he was the 56th career winner at Royal Ascot for O'Brien. So uh, definitely uh, the bar is set high by Aiden O'Brien. I don't know if anybody will ever get there. Well, uh, how about today? Big Orange. I would have bet this horse for my Syracuse Orangeman. Uh, ran the biggest race of his career. Dug in gamely in the final yards to hold off the defending champion in the gold cup the order of st george and won by a nose another one you're going to want to go back and uh, and check out on youtube or wherever you like to go for your replays and it was a big week for james doyle uh, i know his sister sophie pretty well got to uh, meet his mother uh, at belterra and keeneland last year uh, james doyle was aboard took over the lead after the first mile of the two and a half mile royal ascot uh, race and uh, uh, ryan moore had uh, order st george well back uh, doyle took over and i uh, got the job done said he was spot on i did call frankie detori and he told me just don't interfere with him and you'll do just fine and just fine is what he did so uh, congratulations uh, to them now of course the gold cup is one of the most anticipated races of the year for british racing now uh, some other races uh, on the card. Coronet overcame all kinds of adversity to get home in a short win in the Ribbonsdale Stakes. That was a group two where she won by a neck. Uh, then, uh, let's see, we moved on to uh, Ben Bati 
who rallied to the lead in the straight in the Hampton Court Stakes. That was a group three and held off the favorite Order of the Garter. That result gave Godolphin another Royal Ascot win over Coolmore. What a rival they got going there. And it was uh, trainer Saeed bin Sarur's first winner of the meet and jockey Oisian Murphy, the first win of his career at the Royal Meeting. And of course, uh, I would be remiss if I didn't say that uh, uh, in the other group race, Sioux Nation, a scat daddy colt campaigned by Coolmore and trained by who else? Aiden O'Brien had just enough to take the uh, two-year-old Norfolk Stakes. That's a group two. And how about this? In the day's final race, the incomparable Frankel got his first Royal Ascot winner as a sire as Atty Pierce got home first in the King George V handicap at one and a half miles. And that's a distance Frankel himself never even attempted. What a stallion he is. Well, last week we had Ed DeRosa on these airwaves doing the Stephen Foster handicap with us. And no surprise, we both said Gunrunner was the one to beat, and he was uh, the one to beat in the Stephen Foster handicap. Was very impressive. Trained by Steve Asmussen, ridden by Florent Giroux. Man, he likes Churchill Downs. Now he's got six starts and four wins. He just tapped once and drew off in a hand ride. It was pretty much eased to the wire. So it'll be interesting to watch Gunrunner where he shows up in the second half of the season. It was also good to see McCracken cracking back. Uh, he had so much promise uh, coming into the Kentucky Derby. Third in the Bluegrass, won the Sam Davis. Uh, always liked Churchill, the Kentucky jockey club last year at churchill uh he won that won three in a row as a two-year-old so mccracken and my friend brian hernandez get the job done in the one hundred thousand dollar matt win then it was on to the mile and a 16th on the turf ed de rosa my man Gave us his long shot pick. Of course, it got bet down. I guess everybody's listening to Winnie Ponies to three to one. Casaqui, the Argentinian bred, uh, rallied four wide and got up in the grade two wise Dan. So congratulations to Ed DeRosa for handing us out that winner here on Winning Ponies. And uh, then we also handicapped the Fleur de Lis. And this was Ed's pick in here. But this one, everybody kind of hopped on it. Forever Unbridled, uh, whose mother, Lemons Forever, won the Kentucky Oaks. So you know that uh, this mare has an affinity. I'm glad they're keeping her in training. She's five years old now, but uh, Charles Fipke's quite the sportsman. In a hand ride, Forever Unbridled with Joel Rosario gets the job done in the Fleur de Lis. That was the Stephen... Foster card at Churchill Downs under the lights. It was a great night. Hope you tuned in. Hope you listened to us last week because we gave out a slew of winners. All right, we're going to take a little bit of a break and when we come back, we're going to be talking to KC. That's right, none other than Keith Chamberlain from the NTRA. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. And they're off! 
What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me from the NTRA, it's Keith Chamberlain, KC. You may recall KC in the Sunshine Band. A lot of people don't know he was the founder of that group. Do a little dance, make a little love. Let's get down tonight on Winning Ponies with Keith Chamberlain. Keith, how are you doing? I'm doing great, John. Glad to be on on a rainy night from Lexington, Kentucky. I know. I, I get the alerts on my phone because I never know when I'm going to be down there, so they're always popping off. Well, uh, uh, Keith, we're going to get to your career uh, in the NTRA uh, sooner than later, but uh, um, you were kind of born into the sport. I mean, your father is Tony Chamberlain. Uh, he was a former journalist, uh, my God, uh, the president of the Association of Racing Commissioners, the president of Finger Lakes Racetrack, uh, the national executive director of the HBPA. How's Tony doing? He's doing great. He's doing very well. He just turned 78. He lives here in Lexington, about two miles away from me, and uh, plays tennis about five times a week. And, uh, you know, we should all have it so good. Yeah, we should. We should. Well, uh, well-deserving. Please uh, uh, tell him that I that I said hello for sure. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure that he's the first guy that nominated me for a position at the Turf Publicist of America and served as vice president for eight years and went on to become president of that organization because I was scratching my head and I said, who the heck nominated me? Somebody says, I'm pretty <laughs> sure it was Tony Chamberlain. So uh, give a tip of my hat. Well, uh, basically, that all said, I mean – uh, were, you were kind of born in, in, into, into the sport. I mean, were you always expecting to be involved in racing? You know, I really wasn't. Um, you know, I, I kind of gravitated toward journalism when I was in high school. I was a sports editor of the high school paper and uh, ended up uh, being a uh, communications major at, uh, at Boston University. And um, while I was there, I, one day I, I went out to Suffolk Downs went up in their publicity department and lo and behold, ended up getting a job. And, uh, for nearly four years while I was going to school up in Boston, I worked five days a week out at Suffolk Downs for, uh, the late Bob Berry, who was the head of publicity up there. And, um, you know, that just kind of led me on a path toward horse racing and been in it ever since first as a journalist at uh, spur magazine and the blood horse magazine right out of college and then gravitated over to the publicity side, kind of like you did, um, you know, at a racetrack, first Remington Park, and then um, um, got asked to join D. Hubbard and his team out at Hollywood Park. So spent five years out there before coming to 
Kentucky um, in 1999 to go to work for the NTRA. It's hard to believe that that was uh, 18 years ago, but that's that's how long uh, um, we've we've been here in Lexington. So it's been a, it's been a great ride, a lot of fun, and just met some terrific people along the way. Well, you know, uh, d- despite uh, the exploits of your father, it's it's good to hear that you weren't just handed handed a job. And it's also good to know, and I do remember when you worked in the trenches, um, that that experience really goes a long way when you finally climb up the ladder and get to a position that you're in now because you have an understanding of what goes into – Getting the story out, what goes into publicizing, uh, the, the hard work, and and in one respect, you ended up growing into the marketing aspect of it. So you've seen it on a lot of different levels. That's got to help you a lot now in your position. Well, it really does, and it and it really forces you to 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 look at the sport from the perspective of you know when you're thinking about how can we promote it, what can we do to to you know get more people engaged with horse racing and coming up through journalism and then. Pub- uh, the publicity side of it um, really helps kind of hone that and force you to look at the look at the sport from you know the, pu- the publicity side, and I, th- I think it's a great way. And of course, I always tell anybody anytime I ever get a chance to speak to students at a University of Arizona or the University of Louisville or the University of Kentucky, I always tell them the best possible thing you can do as a as a student is is um, learn how to be a, a you know. Learn how to write. Learn how to put together a, a good a good memo, a good article. You, not everybody can be Red Smith, but you can go a long way in life if um, if you can put a few words together on a piece of paper and communicate your thoughts. Absolutely, it follows you through every every point of your career. Uh, of which, Keith, um, you've served in different positions in the NTRA, correct? I have. I started out on the marketing uh, as the vice president of marketing and industry relations and um, um, pretty much was doing that um, throughout the first 15 years or so. And then just in the last few years, I've also become the the, uh, chief operating officer of the organization and it's kind of given me a chance to uh, be involved in other aspects of the industry and the organization. And it's been very very fulfilling, spending a lot of time um, uh, over the last few years on, um, actually the last 18 years on growing the National Handicapping Championship um, when we were um, operationally merged with the Breeders' Cup, um, played a role in the um, formation of the Winning Your In program, um, actually began, we had a two-year-old racing series on CNBC way back in the mid two thousand early two thousands and um all those races were taking part uh in the fall or late summer, early fall, the hopeful and uh from Saratoga, the the Champagne, from Belmont, you had the great races at out at Oak Tree at Santa Anita and then you had the big two year old the Breeders Futurity at Keeneland. And we had all these races on T V and we were talking about how to better connect them to the Breeders Cup and I said, well, you just need to call them winning your in races because anybody who wins these races, they're going on to the Breeders' Cup if they're healthy. Um, so that's kind of how the moniker began, and now it's great evolved into you know a real important part of the whole Breeders' Cup program. And they, of course, they've taken it, you know, they've ratcheted it up enough, you know, in, in a number of ways with the the 
not just the automatic births now, but the guarantee, you know, the free entries and starting fees that go along with it. So, um, just a little idea has really turned into a major program for them. So it was kind of exciting to be part of that, you know, on the ground floor. But, um, um, of course, we've had great growth with the NHC. And then in the last couple of years, we've really tried to focus on um, the customer, the horse player, and started with um, when uh, Judy Wagner was named to our board of directors about five years ago as a horse player's representative. Um, And it's really forced our board to really pay attention um, to the viewpoint of the customer, the, the horse player that fuels every aspect of our sport. And, of course, hopefully it'll pay off here in the not-too-distant future with uh, probably the most important legislative change, uh, regulatory change that you know we've had, at least in my lifetime, in the sport. And I'd say perhaps even go back to, you know, when the Interstate Horse Racing Act was... Um, was passed in 1978, and my dad was actually part of that. So it's kind of neat to be part of this uh, uh, this new IRS reg that we think is going to generate tens, if not hundreds, of millions of dollars in additional handle annually uh, for the sport. And of course, that's going to be a win for not just horse players, but racetrack operators, and of course, horsemen whose purses are generated from the handle. Uh, we're talking with Keith Chamberlain to the NTRA. Uh, Keith, I know this is going to be hard to do, but in the last statement that you made, most of our listeners are horse players. Um, can you kind of uh, break it down as to what is going on legislatively to help them? Well, I'll, the, I'll tell you two things. One is there's a great Q&A by Stephen Christ on the NTRA website in the legislative section. If you go to NTRA.com, you click on the legislative section, You'll see a terrific Q&A with Steve that really lays it out in very simple terms that any horse player can understand. But the easiest way that, to explain it is just we all know um, the, the great feeling when we have a, we have a, a, uh, a big long shot or, or pick four or trifecta or superfecta come in. It pays over 300 to one and maybe more than $5,000. So there's report. Then we're struck by the bad news that there's reporting and withholding, and we're sent to an IRS window somewhere in the bowels of the facility uh, <laughs> as many places where it's darn hard to find, um, but takes a lot of time, um, takes a lot of money out of circulation. And the whole reason it does is because the IRS, dating back to um, uh, regulations that were, that were written in the mid-1970s and early 1980s, only takes into account uh, the winning base unit of a bet when calculating the 300 to 1 odds um, as the amount of the wager. And, of course, we all know when we play trifectas, when we play superfectas, pick fours, pick sixes, pick fives, nobody bets just $1. We always play, you know, multiples of that, whether it's $48, 60 64 $128. Some people play thousands of dollars, and yet they're being withheld on their winning wagers as if they only bet $1. Well, that's all going to change due to some regulations that uh, were put forth, uh, recommended by the NTRA about two years ago. They've gone through all the channels, and now they've formally been uh, recommended for adoption by the IRS and the Treasury. And 
simply said, the, the, in calculating the amount of the wager, they will calculate the entire amount that an individual wagers into a specific pool. So if I bet $124 into that trifecta pool, that's what's going to count when calculating the 300 to 1 odds um, that would trigger, you know, reporting or in this case withholding. So um, it's going to make a huge difference. We think it's going to do away with about 80% of the reporting and withholding in the industry today based on numbers that we've seen. And, uh, of course, that's going to create massive churn and be a real benefit to the horse player. And it's simply an an issue of fairness. Uh, Once we were able to get in front of the right people at the IRS and who actually understood a little bit about parimutuel wagering, they absolutely agreed with us 100% that the way that we're currently calculating the amount of the wager is simply unfair and dates back to a time when there was win, play, show, and daily double wagering only. And that was, you know, right up through the mid-1980s. So we all know now that that literally, you know, those types of wagers represent about 30% of all the wagering activity taking place. So the industry's done a 180, but the regulations haven't kept up with it. And that's what we've gone in, and that's what we're on the verge of changing. We've gone through a 90-minute comment, final comment period. It's our understanding the regulations are undergoing final review. There is no opposition to the change. So we're hopeful that sometime here in 2017, we're going to wake up one morning and see a new reg printed in the Federal Register, and it's going to be a real, uh, it's going to be a happy day for a lot of horse players. Oh, man. Well, all I can tell you is you just uh, put a smile on a whole lot of people's faces that, that listen to this show because we do we do cater to the players. There's there's no doubt about it. And really, the efforts that the NTRA has done legislatively, and we could touch on other topics uh, such as uh, some of the workforce things, but I'm running out of time, uh, my, my producer's telling me. Uh, Keith, I want to thank you very much. I, I hope you enjoy your new digs there in, uh, in downtown Lexington. Next time I'm in town, I'll, uh, I'll ring you up, and maybe we'll take a walk to the Gray Goose and have a cold one. Wow, that would be great. Look forward to seeing you, John, and thanks for having us on. We're happy to come on anytime and uh, tell you a little bit about our activities at the NTRA. Well, there, there sure are a whole lot of activities going on. And, Keith, once again, please give your best to your father for me, okay? Will do. All right, we've been talking with Keith Chamberlain from the NTRA. We're going to take a little bit of a break. And after that, it's time to get down with the Buckeyes. It's Ohio Derby Week in Ohio, and we're going to have Rich Ruta. You're listening to Winning Ponies. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with WinningPonies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let WinningPonies.com make some money for you. 
Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Englehart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Englehart. All right, and back with me. I have him on this time of year, every year, and usually uh, once or twice for some other handicapping segments uh, during the season. And that's none other than Rich Ruda. You've seen him uh, as the uh, on-air handicapper at uh, Thistledown for over a decade. I know he uh, juggles a lot of balls there, but uh, does a, does a great job of it. Rich Ruda, my man, how you doing? I'm good. It's Derby Week. How could you not be good? And uh... Not only is it Derby Week, we got some guy named Mike Smith coming to town to ride in our Ohio Derby, and this guy is hotter than bacon grease, and we are so excited about getting Mike here. I, I'm sure you followed him on Belmont Day and everywhere else he's been, but boy, I tell you one thing, good things happen to good people. Mike's a great guy. We're happy to have him coming to Thistledown to ride Gervin. It's going to be a fun weekend. A lot of good riders, a lot of nice horses coming in, and John, when can you remember on Friday's edition of the Racing Forum, we have the past performances for our late pick four on Derby Day, and that is we're giving away $670,000 in those four races, and the Daily Racing Forum was nice enough to pick us up, put it in their Friday edition. So if you pick up the Friday Forum and you want to bet Saturday, you got all the information in front of you. Well, we're we're going to r- r- break down everything but the sixth race. We're going to do the fifth, seventh, and eighth. Uh, you now, got it, buddy. Now, I- I'll tell you what. You've got to go up there or look around, look in some files or whatever. They've probably been purged over the years. But the late great writer Bill Mooney was once the PR guy at Thistledown. And he put together, as Bill only could, an amazing historic perspective of the Ohio Derby. I pray I've got a copy of it somewhere. I've been tearing the place apart. Uh, Sherry Pinson, who's up there helping you guys out publicity, called me and was asking for he knew if I had a copy. Anyhow, Bill did a great, great job. Now, I'm not going to try to embarrass you because I know that you don't have the racing manual in front of you. I went ahead and got the American Racing Manual, and I pulled down the 2015 edition, and there was no Ohio Derby in it because they only list the graded stakes races. Real quick, I'll give you a chance to plug the fact that you're back on the graded race board. Well, that is a big plus. You know that. I mean, anything about horse racing. When we lost our grade, it it took a culmination of things to happen. It's not all about the money you give away. It's all about the horses and where they go on from and things they do after they win your race. And you know what? We are so excited not only to give the half a million dollars away in the 83rd running of the Ohio Derby, but the grade three status looms large for us. I mean, it really looms large for us. And one of the nice things in this Ohio Derby, and I don't know if I could ever say this before, we have four horses competing in our Ohio Derby that actually ran in this year's Kentucky Derby. You know how they fall, the three-year-olds fall off the wayside? 
take a step back, go on to the Preakness, and then from there maybe go to the Belmont or don't, and then get that break in between. Well, we have four of them that ran in that Indianapolis 500 they call the Kentucky Derby this year, and we are so excited about that. That is that is really cool. I mean, four of them. I can't even imagine. We'd have been happy getting one in a, in a nine-horse field. We have four of them, so really bodes well for Pat Ellsworth, the racing office, and and, and i got to give Jack Thistledown some credit. They put up the money. The grade three status is a wonderful thing. More important to horse people than the half a million dollars, but the half a million dollars sure puts you on a calendar for somebody, a three-year-old looking for a race. So Jack Thistledown got behind us. They told us three years ago that we would be giving away half a million dollars shortly in the Ohio Derby. And you know what? They went to bat and hit a home run, John. We're, we're happy to be part of Jack Thistledown. Yeah, and I'm, I'm glad you pointed that out. I, I think a lot of people don't know that graded uh, status is based on what he had done for me lately. Because at one time, yeah. uh, the cradle stakes uh, at River Downs was graded because all of a sudden they had uh, they had Spendabuck, they had Tejano Run, uh, Coax Me Chad, horses that either won or ran second in the Kentucky Derby. And all of a sudden they compiled points for you know the number of graded stakes horses that, that come out of mm-hmm. a race. And so uh, mm-hmm. it's not just based on the fact that you put up a million dollars and say, hey, this should be a graded stakes race because I'm paying a million. You're right about that. Now, getting back to my late great friend Bill Mooney and his media guide, what he pointed out, and though you said that this is the 83rd running of the Ohio Derby, um, it actually started in 1876. And you may not know this, but back in the early days of the Ohio Derby, it was run in a place called Chester Park in Cincinnati, Ohio. I've heard of Chester Park. I knew it was in Cincinnati. I did not know the Ohio Derby was run there. Kudos to this. Kudos to this. Uh, the Queen City and and having that. Uh, when do you know when it moved north, John? Um, it could have been in 1924 because it was run from uh, 1876 to 1883, and then there was a big break. And in 1924. The first horse ever to train at Coney Island Racetrack that eventually became River Downs and Belterra Park also uh-huh. went on to win the Kentucky Derby and the Ohio Derby, the legendary Black Gold, and Black that the, gold, purse, yeah. the purse went from $1,000 to 4000 <laughs> So I'm guessing that they found out that they could get Black Gold to come, uh, you know, for the Ohio Derby. But, right. And, the purse quadrupled to a, a whopping four thousand dollars in 1924. So uh, you know, and and then it kind of picked up steam pretty much from there. Uh, it's been run consistently. It was run at a mile and a half from 1876 to uh, 1883, and run at a mile and an eighth uh, from 1924 until 1959, and then from 65 to 2009. Now. Let's also go back and take a look. You know, you talk about Mike Smith. Well, the Mike Smith of many eras has ridden in the Ohio Derby. Let me throw some names at you. Eddie Arcaro. Yeah. Uh, yep. Uh, Larry Snyder. Sam Maple, who's an Ohioan. Pat sure Day. Was. Pat Day, who won several editions. Gary Stevens. Hall of Famer Chris McCarron. 
and uh, it, it goes on from there. And then after that, we even had some Ohio guys uh, win it. Um, now, back to 1975, Rich, a horse by the name of Brent's Prince won it. Do you know what makes yeah. him special as an Ohio Derby winner? Pardon me, John, I missed that. What makes Brent's I'm, Prince special as an Ohio Derby winner? Well, I know I know he was an Ohio bred. I also know that uh, Benny rode him, didn't he, Benny Feliciano? You're good, say. man. You're yeah, good. Benny He's... Feliciano rode him. You probably got a little more to add, but I know he was special. I do know he was. We talked, you know, to talk a couple days in the office was about that because Benny's a horseman at Thistledown now. And Benny was a top-notch rider. I mean, just as good as it gets. Well, he's as good as it gets in Ohio as a trainer now. He doesn't train a multitude of horses. But Brent's Prince, you know, you're talking about him. You know, we got a guy every day at Thistledown that rode in the Kentucky Derby on the backside now, Tony Reaney. You know, he rode our native in the Kentucky Derby. And Tony, Tony's a wonderful guy. So we got two ex-jockeys there that have some serious credentials. We have other ones, but those two guys in the big races were a lot of fun and and fun they're fun to have around now because i pick their i pick their minds all the time i ask them stuff tony what was it like he got a, somebody threw a beer can at him in the kentucky derby that's all he remembered <laughs> he says you know they were turning for home and somebody in the infield threw a beer can and i said that's what you remember and he said well it was crazy but i remember that because i ducked you know so well, anyhow, it's fun it, you, you got the question right. You win a six-pack of Coke and, and a wristband from House Jewelers. Uh, Brent's Prince was the only Ohio bred ever to yeah. win the Ohio Derby. Now, let's move uh, forward a, a couple of years. I did get to go to, to, to several Ohio Derbies. Um, uh, Gene St. Leon and I went out drinking after he won wow. on Lost Code. In 1987, right. of course, the year before, Gary Stevens won on Broad Brush, and uh, you were mentioning the 1996 edition. I was there. It was a fun time. Tell me the story about Skip Away. Well, you know, all I know, all I know is he came to town. We were excited to have him um, win. Win easy. I mean, he won easy that day, and they were. You know, that was that was Sonny's. One horse. That was Sonny's one horse stable. I mean, that was Sonny his, Hines. That was we're talking his, about Sonny Hines. Yeah, Sonny Hines. That was his king, you know. And you mentioned Broad Brush, and I remember Broad Brush, the trainer. This is a kind of cute thing. The trainers coming in the day of the Derby, vanning the horse in, taking him off a one horse van. He came all the way from Baltimore, and his name escapes me, and I should know it, but his name escapes me, and. But as far as Skip Away, that's what I remember, John. What can you tell me about him? Well, no, I, I just remember how uh, I believe Sonny Hine had a special connection with either Cleveland or Thistledown, and yep. it just seemed like people were coming out of the woodwork, and I never yep. saw a guy with a broader smile, shall I say. There's a picture up on the seventh floor at Thistledown of Skip Away and Sonny Hine and the whole crew in the winter circle that day. And when you come up Saturday, I'll make sure you get to see it because uh, – you know, what, what a great story. I mean, they were a, an elderly couple that just loved the game. Uh, you know, I don't want to say it was Sonny's last hurrah, but it was it was getting there. You know, it was getting there. And, you know, the guy was fun. The guy was fun. It, we've had so many nice Ohio derbies and so many nice people coming. We've got a great group of people coming this year. We put on a good show, John. There's a lot of things going on at Jack Thistledown now. If you haven't seen the new building, it's absolutely fabulous. 
They're working on the horse end, end of it now. We're giving away great money every day at Thistledown. And you know what? Like I said, I'm so proud. Like I picked up Friday's edition of the form, and there's our pick four in there that concludes with the Ohio Derby. And I'm counting the money in them four races, and I'm going $670,000. Who would have thought that? It's great. It's great. Okay, it's story time. The 2001 Ohio Derby. The winner was Western Pride. Western Pride. I was going to say that. The overwhelming favorite, though, was Macho Uno, who was owned by Frank Stronach, as I believe you call. Yeah, he sure was. Anyhow. Western Pride, John, was trained by Richard Estevenko, who... yes. You don't see his name much anymore, and I don't know what Richard's doing now, but he was a, he had a horse racing family. I mean, they were everybody was connected with the horse. There's a huge picture of people in the winner's circle, but that was Richard's claim to fame. And I saw a horse running the other day somewhere sired by Western Pride, and I, you know what? When you asked me before about 2001, boy, did that jump in after we started talking. I said, I don't know if that was 2001, but I do remember Western Pride and Estevenko and coming here and they it was great it was good because they were local people he was hooked up with the Gertons the Drakes the Harmon Drakes the Gertons and all them people the McWhorters and it was almost like a homecoming for them well here here's the story behind the, that race Western Pride's owned by a friend of mine Rolf Olbrecht and yep. so Rolf of course went up for the race uh, Rolf started with claimers at River Downs worked his way up owned two time Breeders' Cup Sprint Champion winner, Caller 1. Anyhow, Western Pride, who now stands as a stallion in Ohio, um, beats Macho Uno in the Ohio Derby. Well, the tradition, and I don't know if they still do it or not, Rich, was to paint, paint the <laughs> colors <laughs> of, of the jockey that's near the winner's circle. Do they still do that? Yeah, we still do. We still okay, do. well, and he you know said, who does it? John, you know no. who does it? Louis Gonzalez, one of our jockeys, and he does a magnificent job. Yeah, well, let me tell you, on this year that that Western Pride beat Macho Uno, Rolf goes to the winner's circle, and he's looking up. He's kind of waiting for the tradition. He realized the only paint colors they had were that of Adina Springs. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Well, you know, all I can say is Frank's, gone on and done very well for himself. <laughs> He's done very well for himself. Every, You know, I had the pleasure of getting the Gulfstream this winter, and that Pegasus statue in front. I, <laughs> Frank's, Frank's out there. He's a, he was, he, it was nice to have him as owner at Thistledown. I congratulate him on what he tries in horse racing. I loved, like I said, the Pegasus stakes this year. The, the, you know, the buy to get in, the pay to get into the gate was great. I love that because... Let's face it, John, a lot of the horsemen, the owners and stuff, they're gamblers. And what an ultimate gamble to put up a million dollars to run your horse, right? So it was fabulous. And I heard he's trying to make it a turf race next year, too. So he's going to have a dirt and a turf race. And you know what? They're going to sell out the starting gate like they did this year. Well, I'm not saying that it was uh, it was Frank who decided on the paint. Maybe somebody from the racing office said, "Hey, we'll save him some money because <laughs> this, this horse is one to five. You know, just get the the golden black to paint the jockey when it's over." But I, I remember my friend Rolf said it was pretty funny watching everybody look at each other like, "Whoops, we're not going to be painting what, what? these silks." But uh, anyhow, <laughs> need to move on. Did, you know, you, uh, you, you, did Dana Whitney ride 
question, Pride? I believe so. Uh, God, you are good, Rich Ruta. No, yes, I think it was. Did. I'm not sure. I don't have it, you know, but I think it was Dana Whitney. Yes, it was. You, know? you are yeah. good. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. It's, that, it's a, you think a little bit and stuff comes back to you. You know, it's been a while, so... Well, well, we could go on and talk about the other horses to be there, but th- this show will be over. But th- there is a, a yep. lot of history to the race. Uh, now, you, you talk about, uh, you know, local connections to the Ohio Derby. How about our friend Ron Paolucci? He is uh, <laughs> filling more than his shotgun up. He's got a revolver in here. I believe he's got three horses going to post. Now, I know he's biting off a lot, but here's a guy that's not afraid to get up to the plate and swing for the fences. You know what, too? I mean, Ronnie said he was going to – Ronnie said early in the year, he said, I'm going to have some horses for the Kentucky Derby. And, you know, he goes out and spends his money, and he finds them. And – you know, before before we even get into that, and let's congratulate him for Belmont Day. War Story wins for him, and I was so proud of him because he's such a cool guy. He's at the track every day. He's a cool guy. He's fun to have around. He spends his money. I mean, he spends his money. He's taken three shots in there. We were hoping that they could run uncoupled. I mean, we really were hoping that they could run uncoupled, and we would have a bet. You know, nine betting interests in the race. The powers to be wanted the horses coupled. But, you know, uh, we get three, two of our trainers, Jeff Rodosovitz, as you know, he trains for Ron, and um, all of our local jockeys are riding. Louis Cologne's riding. Ricky Feliciano's on one. You know, Jake Rodosovitz. Yeah, Jake Rodosovitz is on another one. So I'm I'm all for it. Uh, the The guy puts up his money. The guy does his thing. He's having fun. If you see him at the track on Saturday or Friday, it doesn't matter. If you come Friday, he'll be there. He'll be there Saturday. He's as outgoing and fun to be around as anybody you'll meet. He loves the game. He wants to participate. You know, you see him everywhere now. You see him no matter where they run horses. You see the lime green colors around Luch now, and if there's a big race coming up, he finds a spot. Well, he's got three in the Ohio Derby. I'm rooting for him. He's biting up. He's biting off a big chunk of the apple. But I'm, you know what? I'm a local guy. I want him to do well. I hope. I hope one or two of his horses jump up and run well. We'll see what happens on Saturday. All right. Well, I'm going to be up against the clock here in a little bit. Again, you stated uh, four horses coming out of the Derby. At the head of the show, I said three, but I was looking at their last running line. I forgot about Fast and Accurate, the Spiral Stakes winner, uh, who all four of these horses had uh, bad trouble lines in the Derby, as did about half the 20-horse field. Uh, I forgot that he came back and put in a game race at the Arlington Classic and just got tired uh, at the end. Of course, that was his return to turf. Uh, we, I don't know if he's a poly horse or, or, or what, but he, he did not fare well. He does seem to excel on the po- uh, poly. He's got uh, one of my favorite jacks, uh, T.D. Houghton, up. But, uh, you know, a- again, the, the same thing I guess some people are saying about uh, uh, um, I rap who uh, mm-hmm. you know, just had an amazing troubled race, put in a really game race. I was down there for the bluegrass. The bluegrass, uh, yeah. Yeah, he, he had to fight the whole way for that. But let's get to Mike Smith's mount, Gervin. Quite frankly, lightly raced. Comes into this race with five starts, but three wins and a second uh, over $170,000 in winnings. I think you just put a line. Mike Smith wouldn't be making the trip to North Randall if he didn't think this horse was solid. <laughs> 
he's coming. He's not coming to meet me and you. That's for sure. Or see the Rock and Roll <laughs> Hall of Fame. But you know what? I, it's a it's a huge thing. If you're a handicapper, it's a huge thing. And you know what? Is it? It's just a note out there to people that are listening. You and me and everyone. The first nomination we had for the Ohio Derby was Gervin. That was the first nomination. Gervin's exactly. Doug O'Neill was second. You know what I rap, but. Gervin was first. This was on their chart. This was on their chart. The horse is working ex- extremely well at the Churchill Downs Training Center, extremely well. You know what? It's going to be tough. He's going to be awful tough to beat. I mean, awful tough to beat. Um, I, that's what I think. And, how, you know, I like to ask Joe Sharp, and he's a talker, so I, I'll get a chance to ask him. He's coming in Saturday. His assistant is here now. You know, did you have to go out and recruit Mike Smith, or did Mike Smith say, I want another shot on that horse or something like that? I'd like to find out. I'll ask Mike when I see him. But, yeah, Gervin on paper, Gervin on paper looks awful good. Awful, awful good. Absolutely. Well, uh, Rich, uh, my producer's telling me we only got about four minutes left, and that gives us two more stakes races. But these are involving horses that we know a lot about. A lot. and, and again, a big pick four down there, up there, depending on where you live at uh, Thistledown. Um, the George Lewis Memorial, mile and an eighth. Uh, you have last year's winner in there, uh, plain old Willard, who uh, hasn't really excited much uh, uh, since that race. Uh, but he's a horse you can't throw out. I remember when he won the Best of Ohio early in the betting. He was uh, bet at 40 to 1. Uh, at Belterry, ended up winning that race. You got Mound, former, 40, uh, former Ohio Horse of the Year, but he's had better days. Uh, Leona's Reward was the accredited champion last year. Uh, Buckeye Bullet, but and then you got eight the hard way. Uh, you know, Buckeye Bullet, man, how do you fault this horse off its recent uh, form? Well, you don't fault the horse off the recent form. You fault if you're faulting the horse. It's the mile in it. It's the mile in an eighth. This is a dead right. sprinter. I mean, this horse loves the sprint. And Sharon Roberto has done a magnificent job training this horse. The Roberto family has all I see is gold. Another Ohio bred that's awful tough. My, the only problem I got with Buckeye Bullet is just what I just said. The distance races on this horse were not all that stellar. Now, he's going to make the lead. Louis Canones has been riding up here regularly. He knows the track well. Uh, Buckeye Bullet is, is going to be on the lead some part of the race or somewhere. Eight the hard way is going to be coming at the end. The faster they go up front, the better eight the hard way's chances get. I will give you a point in here, John. Leona's reward is cross-entered in our other stake race. Leona's reward, I talked to Tim Ham this morning, will try the boys in the George Lewis, so she's sticking right in here. She was cross-entered in the Petro. Uh, Tim thought that this was a better spot, and I like that idea because Leona's reward is on the top of her game right now. She's run very, very well, and she doesn't have to improve all that much if Buckeye Bullet backs up a little. Leona's reward is going to be somewhere near Buckeye Bullet early. I'm not saying that Philly can beat the boy, but give her trouble. Rich, uh, we we only got two minutes left. We're going to go to the Petro oh, Memorial, yeah. uh, mile and a 16th. This is my long shot play of the day. I was surprised. I don't have the morning line in front of me uh, because I pulled down the PPs early. But as I recall, school board prez was a pretty darn good price. 
that's going to be my pick in the William Petro Memorial. She was without a doubt perhaps the best three-year-old in the state last year. She won more stakes than, than the eventual champion, but the eventual champion won a whole lot of optional claimers. So I'm going to go with school yep. board prez. Who you like in here? Because just a little smoke Doug, has been smoking of late. Well, just a little smoke's been just what we said about Buckeye Bullet. Just a little smoke. Bobby Gorham, the trainer, super job, super trainer. You see him win a lot of races everywhere. He was worried about the weights and really concerned about the weights. The 124, I think, bothered him. I don't think he wanted to spot school board press 120. And I don't think he was too happy about Lenina Bronca getting in with 115. You know what? If school board, if just a little smoke gets pressured early, and you've got proper discretion in here, you've got you've got so many horses that want to front in here. Roland's big smile wants to lead. Proper discussion. Uh, Bull Kate interests me because Bull Kate was coming off some injuries. But get this: proper discretion. You mentioned Mr. Luch. He handed. Bruce Talisman, $200,000 a month ago for proper discretion. That was Bruce's horse. It was a $200,000 private sale. Benny Feliciano trains, Ricky rides, good combination. But this is a dead sprinter, too. A closer in this race is a good way to go in the pick four, I think. A great way to go. And you got one in school board press. Star maybe has a little bit of talent coming back, coming along. And Sunny Days, who's cheaper, moves to the Shane Myers barn, but that's another one that likes to run from off the pace. And the pace is going to be just a little smoking in here. There's some speed in here, including just a little smoke. Absolutely. Well, yeah, distance is going to be the key in here. Uh, well, anyhow, my producer's telling me we only got a minute left. Rich, you know I'm coming up the highway here. Stay on the air after we go off. I want to talk to you. I'm um, looking forward to seeing you on, on Saturday. Thanks so much for being with us here on, on Winning Ponies. And I'm, I'm definitely in on the pick four. You want to go partners on a couple? I'm in, brother. I'm with you, pal. All right. Thanks for Winning Ponies for putting the Ohio Derby out there. Okay. Rich Ruda, the uh, house handicapper from Thistledown, has been with us. Also want to thank Keith Chamberlain uh, for joining us and giving us some inside information about not only his uh, participation in the NTRA, but some of the great efforts that they're putting forward for you, the horse player, and keeping some of those greens in your genes. So again, uh, a lot of series races at Laurel, a lot of series races at Thistledown. Hope he gave you out some winners today. Want to thank you all for listening. Pass the show on to your friends. You know it's on podcast. And uh, pull down the easy win forms for all these great races we've been talking about. So for Winning Ponies, I'm John Engelhart. Remember, when you go to the races, bet with your head, not over it. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.